Hello everyone and welcome to Rural Spark. I'm your host, Helen Murphy, and today we're talking about food, specifically food tourism and the potential it holds for rural Canada. Our guest is Jamie Brome, CEO at Country Heritage Park in Milton, Ontario, where he has revitalized an 80-acre park into a farming and food education and appreciation centre. In recent years, Jamie restored the park to a revenue-generating operation. It offers programs in food literacy, history, outdoor education, environmental awareness, and the arts. Its features include community gardens, bees, livestock, and a community kitchen. And as you'll see, Jamie is rather passionate about food tourism, its potential in Canada, and what we're missing by not understanding and embracing this economic opportunity as some other countries do. Hello, Jamie, and welcome to Rural Spark. Well, hello, Helen, and thank you for having me on today. Well, Jamie, I first wanted to ask how you define food tourism. It's something, of course, that not all of us are overly uh, acquainted with, and I think you'll probably tell me that that's part of the problem. Um, when I think of food tourism, I think of when I you know, went to Montreal and signed up for a food tour, and that was very interesting, get to know a neighborhood, and that might be what some people think of as that, and perhaps that's part of it, but I, I think it's much more. Is that the case? Food tourism is always much more. Food tourism to me is about economics and economic development, but as well, it's about showcasing what an area has. So there are certain iconic things that I believe people need to be aware of. Uh, you mentioned about Quebec and Montreal. I think of Quebec City when I think about food tourism because it's a chance to be able to have a different aspect to what's there for foodies that want to see something completely different. Quebec City offers that the ability to travel for a, a, a taste of, I guess, the, a taste of the place is what it, it boils down to. And that's how I look at things. Right. Well, how does uh, food tourism fit into what you and your team are offering now at the renewed Country Heritage Park near Milton? Well, it's, it's a multi-thing. First, Country Heritage Park is a reflection of past, present, future is how I look at it. We have old style, formerly uh, the Ontario Agricultural Museum, now a, an attraction location. And that allows us to be able to tap into how we did things in the past, meaning horse and, and, and plow and the whole thing, and show that there's been an innovation along the way for agriculture over the last, say, 400 years. That being said, what we're doing differently is we're offering the opportunity to have that local touch, that local taste, that local aspect. And we're building that with others in the same vein of what we've got. So between local product being pork, chickens, that kind of thing, even sheep, you know, we've got restaurants and that. But for us, the real stepping tone, the, the real touch is the fact that we've got community gardens feeding Toronto neighborhoods that, for lack of a better purpose, don't have access to fresh foods. Right. And... From our earlier conversation, Jamie, it seems to me that some other countries are doing a real stellar job of food tourism, and it's becoming a significant part of the economy. What, I think you mentioned Switzerland as one example. Where, where do you see some really uh, excellent models that Canada could look to more? Well, the Swiss do it for a tourism aspect to give them the sense of uh, the sound of music, that, right. that whole image that plays in. That's a, that's a marketing tool that they have. If we're really going to evolve on this one. We need to look at national food and strategies that goes with the national food policy strategies that are there, which quite frankly, don't go far enough. Australia is one of the few countries that actually has 
looked at a whole different level of both food tourism, economics, but also almost a disaster resilience that has to be bred into anything that we do. Uh, the outcomes of what we see based on Mother Nature coast to coast in Canada, she's a fickle little woman. And mm-hmm. when she doesn't want her way, she tells you no uncertainties about it. So even in the West, for example, they get a drought and then they get three weeks of rain there. These are examples of where I, I talk about how we need to look at how we need to feed a nation. And that's the difference. It's not just about feeding the world. We need sometimes to focus on ourselves and feed our nation as what's there. Food tourism allows for that to be able to showcase municipalities and areas that can actually do that. So in some cases, is it uh, part of building in resiliency, like part of making maybe your, your farm more sustainable by having this as just one of uh, many elements? Sustainable is an overused word, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's, not, uh, it's one of those things that we don't look at. I look at fiscal sustainability on what's there. Sustainable has been altered along the way. If we looked at what needs to be done, the simple fact of the matter is we need to be able to connect with the consumer far better than what we're doing. And quite frankly, farmers do the job of farming. We need people to advocate and speak on their behalf in order to make that connection. Uh, My belief has always been the internet provides you with a little piece of information, a little knowledge. And as everyone knows, a little knowledge is absolutely a dangerous thing. And that's what we're seeing time and time again. So we shouldn't just leave it to those who are already in agriculture to come up with solutions for how we can, you know, have a more robust food tourism sector. This is something that all of us who are interested in, in from our point of view, it's the rural communities, right? And, and, and helping our rural communities have brighter futures. I think there's, there's a wide variety of partners that have to be involved. Absolutely. And, and for me, it is about the rural side of what we look at. Despite politicians that will tell you differently, and again, it's coast to coast. There's, they'll say there's no difference. There's a huge difference between rural and urban mindsets. Right. Um, an urban mindset says, I turn the water on my tap in the morning and I get water, it's clean. I open uh, the door into my refrigerator, get cream for my coffee. That cream came from a grocery store. That grocery store is open 24-7. That grocery store always has everything that's there. In rural, we know different. We know when... When an ice storm hits, when uh, a hurricane, as in Nova Scotia, hits, we're, mm-hmm. we're prepared on the rural side to be able to feed ourselves and our neighbors for some days because we anticipate the line being expect the unexpected. So whether it's a power outage, whether it's flooding, whether it's whatever, we've had to deal with it on that rural side. Therefore, from that perspective, we need to have partners engaged, and that's community and municipal partners that need to understand that when we're showcasing what we have to do, that's the whole ideal. It's showcasing what we do rather than how we do it. So, you know, butter tart trails are absolutely fantastic, but that's one aspect of what's there. Uh, An apple trail through the Appalachians and say, I don't know, Nova Scotia, for example, any of that that goes through you need to be able to showcase and drive the, the attention towards that. That's where a city person will come out or an urbanized individual mm-hmm. that says, there's enough food to feed me all the time. My restaurant has, uh, I can go down and order. That's not the case. Uh, I mean, we've never done the correct studies that this nation needs to do, but we probably have seven to 10 days worth of food and then poof, we're gone. Mm-hmm. And when we look at the tourism aspect are there places in Canada where you've actually seen communities, municipalities, or even maybe a province getting this right or really on track to getting this right? Oh, well, you know what? Having, yes. So having gone coast to coast, 
I can say that there's a lot of the rural guys that are starting to picking up. Look at BC, for example. I mean, we're mm-hmm. going to take the West Coast and work way backwards. But look at BC, they, the Okanagan Valley. They, they do a great job of being able to forecast and showcase what they've got. So much so that much of the product grown in BC now goes to Asia, into the Asian marketplace, because the demand is so high for a good quality product. Keep moving your way across, and we have examples all the way through the countryside that show this. In Ontario, we have a, a lot of the municipalities that garner in for stuff. Uh, uh, Norfolk County, for example, is the Garden of, of Ontario, is what they call themselves because of the fresh produce that's growing along there. Uh, Quebec is cheese and meats and, and byproducts that we actually cherish and love. And then, you know, the East Coast is filled with that. And as well, they've got the advantage of fisheries on their side too so everybody knows that the best lobsters come from just off the atlantic so as part of it when we have people who visit and actually get to kind of experience how we produce our food and why where the quality is and and what it tastes like is that we're opening up and we're building more international markets then through the tourism pathway ironically enough helen that's exactly what this is about think of it from from a North American perspective, what do they all talk about? They go to France. I mean, you watch any any of these things going on. They go to France to taste the uh, baguettes. And along the way, they sit in a, a street cafe and they have what they want. They go to Italy for the, the product, the wine, anything else. They, they, they People travel. Mm-hmm. They will travel great distances to have a taste of an area. And that's where, you know, Canadians are known for what? Poutine and beaver tails. You know, like that's when you talk about it, that's how it it goes with, you know, sometimes we seem to miss the boat on being able to draw in the people on the real delicacies that we have. I just want to take a moment here to thank our sponsor, ExploreNet. Rural broadband is getting a lot of attention these days, as we all know, and ExploreNet has been a champion for rural Canadians for 15 years. With their nationwide network, no matter where you choose to live, ExploreNet can keep you connected to what matters. If you want to find out more about what ExploreNet services are available in your area, check out their website at ExploreNet.com. That's X-P-L-O-R-N-E-T dot com. Yeah, and of course we have a lot more to offer than poutine and, and beer tails. So there seems to yeah. be an, an, an open market there to develop that. What about when we look at tourism globally, and we're hearing a lot about tourism in some areas actually being maxed out in terms of, you know, cities like Venice, where they're feeling really overwhelmed and it gets to be, you know, unsustainable in that communities can't uh, support that level of tourism anymore. But food tourism offers more of a rural experience. Do you see... Um, an upward trend in the appetite, if we can say that, for these kinds of experiences, or is the potential for that to grow? Actually, the uh, no pun intended sign, but there is an appetite for what we're seeing. And the appetite is very big because Canada offers uh, things that other nations don't. For one, we're safe. That's a huge issue when it comes to people traveling uh, anymore in this day and age, is that they're looking for a place that's actually safe, that they can uh, feel like they're a part of what's taking place there. And that, you know, when you're looking at that, again, much broader picture of what's out there, yeah, uh, they want to come to the country. We're not the Hicksville that everybody thinks we are. We are actually quite sophisticated. And as we're seeing different demographics providing food coming into our nation, this is making for a, a much better and viable solution down the road for food tourism. 
Right. I had a friend recently told me that she likes to take her family and they often go on farm visits, uh, stay for a couple days in different parts of, parts of Europe. But her impression was that that kind of experience is still not very well developed or not very well marketed or both in Canada. Is that your impression? That's absolutely what it is. And the reason behind that is that we have a whole series of regulations that differ from both the EU and with the European continent as a whole. And part of the reasoning behind that is that Simply put, if we're going to want to be players in the uh, the game, we have to start thinking about a global perspective rather than just a localized one. Yeah, I've heard that too with regulations. And of course, there's safety things, right? Farm equipment. Yep. And where I come from in Nova Scotia, I think a lot of tourists say, why can't I just go out on a fishing boat and go fish lobsters, you know, but there's regulations <laughs> around those things too. So, um, but do you think part of it, you know, beyond, of course, we have to have some regulations for safety in, in these experiential uh, tourism opportunities, but is there a bit of a cultural shift that we need in Canada to really look at this as a viable opportunity in uh, tourism development? Yeah, there is actually. The uh, truth of the matter is that Canadians do, they're very much North American, uh, which means that we have different aspects that we don't think about. Um, one of them being is that, like I said, Quebec does a very good job because Quebec almost has that European sense to them. Nova Scotia, as you say, that's your, your province. They have huge opportunities in front of them, and sometimes they belittle their own identity as to what's there. Uh, they have huge potentials because they're the gateway to what everybody wants to see in Canada. You're the starting point. Right. Do you see other, we talked a little bit about uh, the East and out in BC, um, in your own province in Ontario and maybe in the West, do you see some really untapped opportunities in food tourism? Always. Always. What kinds of, because, what kinds uh, of things? Well, uh, for me in Ontario, we have diversification throughout. That gives us an advantage on where things are. The issue that I'm confronted with is that we don't often think about how vast we are and what we do. And that's sometimes a problem. Others, by the way, don't want to deal with it because, quite frankly, it's not how things were done in the past. And that is a stumbling block as well. When you look at it, it sometimes boils down to, as well, timing and manpower. I, I mean, there's all kinds of little things that we could continue to throw up and say, this is why we can't do it. I think the reality is, is that it shouldn't be, this is not why we can't do it. There, the reality should be, this is what we can do and let's proceed. Right. And what about, um, especially where you are, I think we see the rural and urban relationship helping to make, helping to make some things happen. I, I think the majority of our rural population in, in Canada is actually in rural communities that are within a certain, you know, uh, communable kind of distance or, you know, not, not far beyond the commuting distance of larger urban centers. Are we, are we going to have more success in this area, Jamie, if we have our urban communities working together with rural communities to help develop food tourism as part of maybe the package of people coming to that city? And I think you have some experience with that because where you are, you're doing a rural experience, but you're almost in Milton, which is more of an urban center. Actually, we are in Milton, uh, even though we're considered rural. It's quite an ironic situation to have to deal with. But reality is, is that there comes a time where people have to look at what's on the outside. I think that's why rural communities have done well being able to adapt to some of the changes required. Uh, meaning, yeah, 
when I look at where we have to go, it's quite easy to be able to determine that we need to work together. That's a rural sense. In urbanized centers, many of the people don't even know their own neighbors that live beside them. Uh, we all know the neighbors inside our rural areas because that's just part of what life is. And that's a big struggle. The one thing I hear a lot from from people is that, you know, the, the space, uh, the air, the, that's the biggest one that I hear when I get people from Toronto coming out is, is there's a different smell in the air. It mm. doesn't smell like, uh, say, Toronto or some other uh, area that they've come from. Those are little things that we don't think about. We take an awful lot of that for granted. And that's an aspect that you can start to, to actually connect into and have them talk about when we discuss where to go with the next stages. It still does require work in partnerships with others along the way, municipalities in particular, because they have to believe that tourism is going to be one of those things that actually makes them money. If they don't see it as an ROI, a return on their investment, they're no longer interested. Sorry, when we go to our municipal governments, then you think we really have to take the business case? Is that uh... Everything has to be done as a business case. Farming is a business. Um, mm -hmm. And that's the one thing that we have an opportunity to be able to showcase around here is that farming truly is a business. It's not, uh, it's not American Gothic. It's not something that, uh, you know, is predicated upon, uh, people not, you know, they understand food, they understand farming. They don't understand the word agriculture anymore. And that's where, that's where you're seeing how people are starting to evolve and where the needs are. They want to be able to have these connections. Honestly, uh, we get people coming in and, and having those conversations with us when they're buying eggs or whatever the hell they want to buy. That's what they're interested in is, is being able to connect with that local side of what's there. And of course, what you folks are doing has a lot to do with education. And there, there's a big opportunity too, I think, like kids are interested in where the eggs come from and where the milk comes from. And you do a lot of educational programming, I think from grades one to 10 or something like that. Yep. Um, is that what you're finding is we can really have an opportunity uh, to educate uh, young people about well, where their food comes from? My staff tends to laugh at me because... Um, I'm one of the guys that's up front and says, I hate everybody over 30. Uh, <laughs> but I, I don't, but there's a, a part of me that does that because when, when you're over 30, you're, you're, you're done. It doesn't matter how you look at it. Your eating habits are complete. Uh, it takes life altering experiences to be able to make a difference. And even then we tend to stick with what we've done or what we've eaten throughout our entire existence and go from there. That being said, young people aren't there and they'll mm. try new things. They'll try different things. They'll try kale. They'll do all that stuff. We're actually trying to showcase what the difference is between past and present and let them know that there is a big difference with what they're eating today, where their foods come from. And we're able to show that, uh, you know, we're able to talk about, for example, um, you know, the chickens, the eggs, the colors, the milk. I mean, you, you wouldn't believe how many people think chocolate milk come from a brown cow, but that is not a mythology. That is wow. real. Wow. Well, Jamie, for some of our listeners who might be thinking, you know, about the opportunities in food tourism where they live, uh, from your experience, what would you say are some of the first steps in raising awareness in, in your area, in someone's area, and mobilizing a local community around their own food tourism potential? Some of our listeners might be looking at operations that are already in the area and thinking how they can take it to the next level, or, or maybe there's producers too who are interested in getting started. What would you advi advise as some initial steps? Uh, 
honestly, to start with, and I'm, I'm up front with this one, Helen, you need to see whether or not you're able to look at what's the potential. Mm. And it always boils down to potential. Second, it's costing. Um, let's be upfront here. I mean, farmers already put a, a hell of a lot of money out on the, the table to see what's going to happen with a crop that they're trying to grow. Um, this isn't something that's an experiment. This is happening around the world, everywhere. Um, they're starting to do it, but almost virtually every area works with their municipal partners. So my best piece of advice was actually to talk to a counselor that may have an interest in seeing this expand. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe talk to uh, the mayor, uh, talk to the economic development people definitely in your areas because every area has economic development. And if they don't, then perhaps the first question that should come out of somebody's mouth is why the hell are we failing our population to be able to not have economic development mm-hmm. talked about in the fashion that needs to be done properly. Right. And like you said before, not doing the things the way we always did them in the past. Well, that seems to be a sticking uh, sticking point for many. Uh, for me, I look at what's the realities. I mean, I'm, I, I only look at things from a, an economic basis for what we have to do both here at the park and elsewhere is because um, economics are what drives us. And, you know, we continue to say that there's no jobs or opportunities. And I hear this all the time. No jobs, no opportunities inside the, uh, the rural side. Everybody has to move. I I work in a place where I'm able to look at 200 years of history. It's a Mm -hmm. beautiful thing because I enjoy it, but it's all local newspapers over the last 200 years. And I get to look at them. Do you know this issue has been around since 1893 was the earliest that I've found. And that was when most of the population was still rural. Right. This isn't something that's new. This is actually an old issue. Yeah, that we just have to have new ways of looking at, I guess, and uh, and and make it part of our plans going forward. Yep. Yeah. Thanks and that's very much. Where everybody gets scared, right? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll conclude with that. Everybody <laughs> gets scared because that's where they don't see things. And, yeah. You know, nobody likes change. I'm the first to admit that nobody likes change. But when you're an advocate for change, that's what you deal with, and the change is something that either works for everybody, and you can see where it happens, or you have to quite frankly, take a step back and realize that you're not doing it. What's the definition of insanity? Doing it the same way and expecting different results. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll, we'll try and keep that in mind as we look for uh, opportunities in food tourism. Thank you very much, Jamie. It's been really insightful and making me a little bit hungry. It's almost lunchtime here. So <laughs> anyway, have a great day at the park and uh, we'll be keeping an eye on the innovative things you folks are doing down there in Milton. Yeah, you can give us a call back any old time you want or come and visit. There'll be more changes, I'm afraid, over the next little while. (laughs) All good. Thanks, Jamie. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. And thanks to all of you for joining us this week on Rural Spark. Our team includes content producer Catherine Murphy and technical producer Tara Seabarth. Music is by Jason Shaw. We wish you all the very best for the week ahead in your part of rural Canada.